last week, we saw how paradise was lost. Tonight, we're going to see how paradise was regained. Two contrasts we're going to go through tonight. And last week, we looked at Adam. Tonight, we're going to look at the second Adam. We lost a lot in the first Adam. But the second Adam came and gave up a lot so that we could have back what we lost. That's the gist of the message tonight. Does anyone need a handout? If you need a handout for the sermon, if you'd slip your hand up, everyone got it? I think we're good. Belinda needs one there. And uh, Ben, you want to grab a couple and grab me one as well. I'd like one tonight as well as we go through. Say, why do you need one? Just to make sure I give we're on track together as we go through. Romans chapter number 5, and we're going to look down at verse number 15. Oh, in the side room too. And Ben, there's more on that table there too, so you got that. And so that's good. We'll give Ben another second so he can get to his seat as well. And so thank you, Ben, for helping with that tonight. And so that's good. And um, Romans chapter 5, let's look at verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which had received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, as we look at those verses tonight, when you're reading through those, it sounds a little confusing a little bit, doesn't it? It sounds confusing. Try to outline some verses that sound confusing. And so I'm going to do my best tonight. It's not confusing when we break it down, but it is a little confusing as you go back and forth. And that's one of the goals and one of the jobs that God has for a pastor is to help break down and help study the Word of God. And so it's the thrill of my life and the privilege of my life that God's given me, and that I don't take it lightly because there are many of those that preach the Word of God and they. Don't preach it. They don't rightly divide the word of truth. And there have been times I look back on things that I've said and like, man, why in the world did I say that? And I'll own up to it. There's times that I preach and I'll look and that wasn't quite what the Bible said. And I'll go back and, and during the summer, I think I got one sermon I've already got planned from a passage that I've been doing some more studying in. And it's like just about a year ago, somewhere in there, I said a few things from that passage and looking at it and studying it better that wasn't exactly right. So I'm going to go back and I'll own my 
mistakes as we go through, and we'll move forward. If you got, you know, if you got the perfect pastor that always gets everything perfectly right, you tell me what church that is, and I'll go be a member for that pastor there, and so that would be a good thing. We're going to look at this passage tonight, break some things down, and just see some blessed things that Jesus has done for us. Father, thank you for the time that we have here tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you for sending Jesus to make a way possible for paradise to be regained. In all honesty, mankind lost everything that day in the garden when the fruit was eaten. But that day on Calvary, when you gave up everything, I gained more than what I lost. And I thank you for that tonight. And I pray that we could break this down and it would be a blessing and an encouragement to your people. And maybe if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, maybe this will help them tonight get to where they need to be to receive you as Savior. I pray for that conviction that only comes from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Last week we looked at verse number 12 through verse number 14. We talked about how paradise was lost. We learned that Adam, the father of humanity, sinned against God. And as a result of Adam's sin, the entire human race, the whole world was plunged into darkness. Adam's sin had dire consequences for the whole, whole of humanity. We talked about death. We talked about spiritual death. We talked about physical death. The side effects of what happened that day, there was spiritual death, physical death would take place, and the second death. And the second death is when death and hell are cast into a lake of fire forever. That's the second death. As a believer tonight, the second death hath no part on us, and praise God for that. But we'll look a little deeper in that tonight we go through. But think about this. What Adam gave away, Jesus bought back for us. That's what this passage is all about. There are great contrasts that are mentioned here. And as we go through here, and as we dive in here and untangle these things, the teaching's very clear. Though you might read these verses and it might be jumbled up a little bit, especially 15 to 18 in that realm there. As you break this down, you'll see in a couple minutes, it makes logical sense and biblical sense as we go through here tonight. You see, you've got to understand something. The whole point is this. Adam failed. And you've got to remember that. But though Adam failed, Christ prevailed. That's what it comes down to tonight. What we lost in Adam, we got back, and much, much more in Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at this tonight and see how paradise was regained. Number one, we see two people are contrasted here. Two people are contrasted. To help us see things a little clearer, Paul, under inspiration in this passage, helps us figure things out just a little bit. Over the 40 billion people who've lived in this world, God looks at humanity, and our relationship to him comes from two people. Adam and Jesus. That's what we see right here. You see, Adam did something back in the Garden of Eden. They ate the fruit that God told them not to. And that affected the entire human race and set the human race spiraling out of control. And all the craziness we see in our world today is a result of what sin can do. 
You see, today in our world, we have a sin problem. The heart of mankind is wicked. It's a sin issue. People can try all they want to to find solutions all over the place tonight for lots of different things. The solution tonight for humanity, are you ready? It's a different heart. It's a new heart. And that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can write legislation. You can write bills for all sorts of things. It will not change any of those things. The heart must be changed. That's an obvious thing that we see in the Scripture. we got to understand, just as Adam messed it up for the entire human race, and if it was you and I, we would have done the same thing, so don't, go too, don't be too hard on Adam. Jesus also, on the cross, suffered. And when he suffered, when he died, and when he rose again, that affected the entire human race as well. That's why you could sum everything up in two people, Adam and Jesus. And so you think about this. What about all the other people in the Bible? Is Daniel important? Sure he's important, but not to understand all this tonight. Is David important? Yeah, David was important. Mary was important. A lot of people were important, but at the end of the day, when we're talking about humanity and what happened and how humanity could get fixed, it comes down to two people. Adam and Jesus. That's it. That's what this is all about. You see, as we look at this tonight, to be an Adam is to be a partaker of all his gifts to humanity. What was Adam's gift to humanity? Death and sin. What a gift, right? Man, what a gift from Adam. Thank you, Adam, for that gift of death and sin. But you got to understand something as well. To be a partaker in Christ is to get all that he has to give. And it's important to understand as we look here tonight what these two contributed and all these contributions to the human race. We see as we dive in, first we talk about Adam, we see letter A that Adam is the sinner. Verse number 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. You see that right there. Because of Adam's disobedience, this means that Adam went against the rules that God had for him. We all know what the rule was. We went over it last week in Genesis chapter number 2 and verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God knew what he was talking about. God knew exactly what he was talking about. This is free. Well, this is extra tonight. Just to give you, do you know the reason why Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden? It was to protect them from the tree of life. Because if they ate the tree of life in their sin, there would have been no hope. They were kicked out of the garden to keep them away from that tree. That was God protecting man. Just a little thought there for you. That might not be something you ever thought about, but that's literally why. Verse 15, look at what it says here. But not as the offense. We see the word offense mentioned here. Adam committed an offense. He crossed the line that God drew. God said, this is where I draw my line. Mankind was given a choice. Mankind has a free will. If God didn't believe in free will, he wouldn't have put the tree in the garden. It would have made life much simpler if he didn't put the tree in the garden. But... Man had a choice. Wanted to eat it? It was there. 
And so as we look at this tonight, we see that Adam is the sinner. And Adam's sin, when he did it, did not just affect him. His sin affected the entire human race. We are here in chapter 5. Go back up to verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we see that Adam's the sinner. He transgressed against the Lord and brought sin into all of us based on that. As we talk about these contrasts, we see Adam the sinner, and letter B, we see Jesus the Savior. Verse 19 tells us that Jesus acted differently than Adam. Look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Well, so as Adam's disobedience made us all sinners, we see that by one being obedient, he brought many to salvation, if you're looking at this here. If you notice, Jesus obeyed the Father, he gave his life a ransom for many, and in doing so, this is what Philippians chapter number 2 is all about. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, God did not robbery to be equal with God. Look at what it says, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself, now catch this here, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and have of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus obeyed. So in Adam, Adam disobeyed, and all of mankind suffered because of it. In Jesus' obedience, you see that Jesus offered a salvation. This way tonight. When well, Adam brought sin to all humanity... Jesus opened the door that whosoever will may come to the Father. That's what Jesus did. The contrast between the first Adam and the second Adam must not be missed. Everything we lost in Adam, we regained by the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Everything that Adam gave away that day in the garden, he, Jesus purchased back on the cross and you see in verse 15 it says that what Jesus did was much more than what Adam did. Do you see that right there? You see, Adam sinned one sin, and it brought death upon all men. Jesus died one death, and it brought the possibility of life for everyone. It's much more what Jesus did. In reality, and when we look at all these things, think about 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I think you can see the difference between the two. There's a contrast. Adam the sinner and Jesus the Savior. Number two. We see two programs are contrasted. Two programs are contrasted. What are those two programs? I'm glad you asked. Otherwise, I would have nothing else to go on tonight. Letter A. 
we see the program of judgment and death. Judgment and death. Verse 15 again. It says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, look at this phrase here, many be dead. This thought is carried out in verse 16 through verse number 18. The Apostle Paul tells us here that because Adam sinned, every human is doomed to die. Not only that, but all men are also condemned. Ephesians chapter number 2. And if you take your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles there tonight, you don't have those verses on the screen, but go to Ephesians chapter number 2. I want you to see this verse here tonight. Ephesians chapter number 2. Look at our condition before salvation. And you, verse number 1, hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. We all were condemned. We all stood in judgment. Children of wrath, even as others. John 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But look at this phrase. But the wrath of God abideth on him. The bottom line is the result of Adam's trespass in the garden is an eternity in hell for all men. That's a horrible thing to think of. And to think that that's what happens. That's what, because of what Adam did that day in the garden, that's what it comes down to. And you even see, look at verse number 20 of our text. It says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You see, in verse 20 there, it tells the beginning there that because the law was given, we can see how wicked we are. Men were sinners already by nature. I mentioned it last week, and some of you weren't here last week, but you have to teach your children how to do the right things. I never had to teach my child to say no. Somehow they knew it. I never had to teach my child to be selfish and not to share their toys. That was natural. It, you teach them to share, that's unnatural. Why? Because of our sin nature. That's how it works, and we see this in this passage here. And you've got to understand that we have the ability to look into God's law and see how wrong we've been. The law is like a great mirror. In the mornings, at some point in the morning, I think we all look in the mirror for a few seconds. Looking at some of you tonight, you should have spent a few more seconds in the mirror. This just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, kind of. No, I'm kidding. What's the purpose of a mirror? The mirror shows you maybe, you know, you, you left a little toothpaste on the corner of your mouth. 
You didn't quite get the five hairs on the top of your head combed over to the side. They're still sticking all over the place. A mirror points out the blemishes to you. That's what looking at the law does. Looking at the word of God shows us our raw. But you got to understand something. The law, you don't use a mirror to fix the problems, do you? No, you don't. And those who believe in a works-based salvation are basically trying to take a mirror, look into a mirror, and then use that mirror to fix all their problems. It doesn't work that way. A mirror's never fixed your issues. You've got to get the comb out. You've got to get the toothbrush out, whatever the case may be. You use water to cleanse, whatever the case may be. And so that's how it is. We need Jesus Christ to cleanse us. The word of God and the law shows us we're wrong. We've offended God. But the law doesn't save us. The law shows us the problem. Jesus Christ saves us. This is what this world, the program that this world's under, as we talk about here, this program of judgment and death. This is the program man is under in the natural state. It matters not how wealthy you are, what you've done in your life, it doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter what you believe outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the Bible said that he's quickened us who are dead in our trespasses and sins. And we see this program of the natural man leads to judgment and death. And when we talk about that, we need to go to Revelation chapter number 20. We looked at this last week, but I want you to see it one more time tonight. Revelation chapter 20. We've talked about, um, we've only got three weeks left on Wednesday nights in the series that we've gone through all the books of the Bible. I mentioned that for the summer months on Wednesday nights, I'll take key doctrines, or if there's a passage of scripture you want to know more about, maybe you want to know more about biblical prophecy. That would be a great thing you could write down and we'll look at. You could look at these things a little deeper, but look with me at Revelation chapter number 20 and look at verse number Three And it says, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should no longer, or they should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, Neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Those that are in Christ will have part of the first resurrection. That's where you want to be. That's what you want to be a part of. But we go down a few verses and go down with me. I got to turn the page of my Bible here, Revelation 20, and look at verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, 
And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into a lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now we talk about these two programs contrasted. We see judgment and death. Without Christ, that's where, where, where you're headed. When we read these verses and we talk about the first resurrection, we know that someday the trump of God's going to sound. The rapture is going to take place. When that takes place, what's going to happen is the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds with the Lord and be with the Lord forever. Right now, our loved ones that have died in Christ, in, in all honesty, they don't have their new body yet. Their body's in the ground. That's what the Bible teaches us. Say, so, well, what do they have today? The Bible says to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. If your loved one dies in Christ, they are with God right now. Their spirit, they're, they're with God, okay? There's no doubt about that. That's scriptural Bible. But the dead in Christ will get their bodies first. We which are alive will be caught up and will be with the Lord forever. This has to do with that first resurrection. Those that die without Christ, their bodies are still in the ground and their soul is in hell from the moment that they stop their last breath. That's the difference in these two programs here. So those that know Christ, the rapture takes place, and we're with the Lord forever, that settles it all. But after the thousand-year reign of Christ, after Satan is loosed one more time, what's going to happen is the devil is going to be thrown into the lake of fire forever. In fact, the, uh, the Antichrist and the beast, or the false, they're already, the beast and the false, they're already there by this time. In the lake of fire forever. But what happens is before God in the great white throne judgment, death, the grave, will give up the bodies of those who died without Christ. Hell will give up the soul of those who died without Christ. They'll stand before God and the judge, and Jesus Christ is the judge. The Bible makes that clear. He will judge them. And if their name's not written in the book, and if they're at this judgment, their name's not in this book, they'll be judged based on their works and sent to hell. Not, sorry, not hell, the lake of fire, the eternal lake of fire. They're in hell now, the eternal lake of fire is the permanent home. That's the second death. That's what sin deserves. Jesus paid that price so that we wouldn't have to. So as we talk about two programs being contrasted with one another, the first program is that program of judgment and death, the second death. We also see, not only is there the program of death and judgment, but anybody want that tonight? You want that to be the program you're under? You want to just stick with Adam and do things Adam's way? You want to stick with Adam tonight, then you can have your judgment and death. Or you can take the second Adam's way. You can take Jesus Christ and have a program of justification and life. By contrast, the same verses tell us here that Jesus offers a far different program than what Adam does. 
While the sin of Adam brings forth death, devastation, and damnation, the gift of Jesus Christ offers us life, liberty, luxury, the joys of heaven. What a difference Jesus makes. You see, think about this tonight. In Adam, we're all judged. In Christ, we're justified. In Adam, we die, but in Jesus Christ, we live. What a blessing that is tonight. You see, in Adam, we burn, but in Christ, we reign. In Adam, we're servants of sin and Satan. In Jesus Christ, we are the sons of God. Can you see there's quite a contrast in the two? Jesus Christ made a huge difference for all of us in our lives. And you notice, this is so good, look at verse 20. This excites me a little bit. Some of you might get excited by sports, I get excited by the word of God, and sports sometimes. Romans 5 verse 20. Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You'll notice that Paul tells us here that the lost sinner is under sin. He tells us that sin abounded. You see that word there? The word abound, as we look here, look at verse 20. The moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. That word abound right there. Look at that word. This word means to abound in abundance. In other words, there's a pile of sin that we're all pressing us under the weight of it. But look at what the end of the verse says. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, let me just help you for a second. You say they're the same word. They're not the same word. They look like the same word to us in English right here. In Greek, they're not the same word. You know, the Bible was written, the New Testament was written in Greek, right? So uh, you say, do you need to know Greek to understand? The, I don't think you have to know Greek. And uh, I don't know enough of it, and I even failed it in college. And I'll just, But thank God for good Bible programs today. I did end up passing it, okay, but I did fail it once. Learning Greek is like learning a completely different language. I don't know what there was about it. But anyways, no one got that joke. Fine, don't laugh. I thought that was that's partially funny, just a little bit. But the word abound, where it says where sin abounded, it means to abound in abundance. Now, the word that Paul uses where grace did much more abound, it means to abound above measure, to overflow. The first word speaks abounded, speaks of addition. One sin was added upon another. The word abounded about grace is a word of multiplication. God's grace was multiplied over and over in abundance. So simply stay, once we're being crushed by sin, now in Jesus we stand on a mountain of grace, much greater. You've got to understand, where sin abounded, God's grace superabounded. His grace is greater than all our sin. Oh, there's a song about that, isn't there? It's where it comes from. See, certainly sin is a problem. And after men, you think about this, men die from it and go to hell because of it. But you've got to understand something. Jesus died and paid the price so no one would have to. 
That's the contrast here between Adam's plan and God's plan and Jesus' plan. We see two people are contrasted here. Not only that, two programs are contrasted in these verses. But number three and lastly tonight, we see two possibilities are contrasted. The first one is this, the possibility of condemnation. Verse 21, the beginning of it says, that as sin hath reigned unto death. The beginning of the verse 21 there deals with the first possibility. If a person chooses to resist the offer that God has given of eternal life and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, that person will be condemned by God. Verse 16 and verse 18 tell us the same exact same thing. To refuse to come to Jesus is to choose to remain in death and to choose to go to hell and pay your own price. There's the possibility of that. But letter B, there's the possibility of conversion. Look at the rest of verse number 21. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, man has two possible things. There are two ways about it. You can do it Adam's way, or you can do it Jesus' way. You choose Adam's way, it's judgment and death for yourself. You choose Jesus' way, he died and took judgment so you could be made free. There's two possibilities. You can die in your sin and pay for your penalty yourself. Or you can trust what Jesus did and have your sins forgiven. That's what it comes down to tonight. You can be saved if a lost sinner will simply put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He'll be saved and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that person will go to be with God forever. That's the difference that Jesus made on this world. What a difference he made. You could look, you got your Bibles open there. So let's go up to Romans chapter number 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, if you're in Christ, he makes all the difference. There's going to be no judgment and death if you're in Christ. Because he paid all that. It, I don't understand how this world can't see this. You know, if someone were to come in tonight and say, I have a million dollars for everyone who will just sign this paper, and they literally had truckloads of suitcases with a million dollars in it. I'm sure there would be a few people that still question the fine print and everything else. But it, you can have life and peace and have an eternity with God and be given God's mercy and grace forever. Or you can figure it out for yourself. It's no, to me, there's no comparison anymore. But this world, many people struggle with this. There might be someone here tonight that's struggling with it. And may I just, the Bible tells us in John chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me 
hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. These verses might sound a little confusing tonight, but it's not that confusing. You see, there's two people that are mentioned, Adam and Jesus. There's two programs. You have Adam's way, which is death and judgment. Or you could take Jesus up on what he's done and have his gift of salvation. And the possibility is you can live and die in your sins and the wrath of God abide on you forever and have condemnation. Or you can trust Jesus Christ and have no condemnation and pass from death to life. The choice is simple. It's not hard. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to every one of us. And he made all the difference in our lives. And man, I see our world today, you can have whatever opinion you have on this, and you can figure it out yourself. I'm not giving you an opinion here. But every day, they tell us the more people that get vaccinated, the faster life goes back to normal. And yet, they're still, anyways, we could go off on a rabbit trail there. And I'm not going off on a rabbit trail tonight. But man, they put commercials out, they put social media out all these things to try and get people to get this vaccine. But there's been people who've gotten, some people got sick from it. Some people, I'm sure it's helped them as well. There's two sides to the whole thing. But you got to understand something. You have a vaccine that's 100% effective every single time and will change someone and give them hope that they've never had before but you keep what God's given to you and don't share it or give it to anyone, shame on us. If you're saved tonight and you haven't told someone recently about Jesus Christ, shame on us. He wanted us to, right? Isn't that he wanted us to do it? And if we see this tonight and we see that those who die without Christ, what they're going to suffer, and you say you love your neighbor as yourself, and you haven't told someone about the Lord, you really don't love them very much. You know, we hear that saying, real friends don't let friends drive drunk. Real friends don't let friends die and go to hell without warning them. Think on that one a little bit. Aren't you glad someone told you? I am glad someone told me. But there's a lot of people out here that need to hear this message. The scary thing is, the further our world gets away from God, the less people even know anything about any of this. There used to be a day you could talk to the average person, and you ask them, in my witnessing, or talk to people, you ask them about Adam and Eve, sure they knew Adam and Eve. Get some kids now that come to our vacation Bible schools. Who's Adam and Eve? They don't Jesus. The world needs Jesus. He's the only hope. Father, I thank you for